Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Catch Case podcast. Today, we have another lovely guest with us. Her name is Sinead, and I met her through Gals Gone Wild. And she has just uh, recently come back from climbing Kilimanjaro. And she is here today to talk about her connection to nature and her recent um, adventures. So, Sinead, welcome on the podcast could you tell us a bit about yourself and yeah, who you are? Thanks, Kate, and thank you for inviting me on. Uh, my name is Sinead Byrne. I'm from Dublin. I'm 31. Um, I'm a social care worker. And as I said, I'm in the Gadsgon Wild hiking group. I've been a member since the very first hike in 2017. And then since then, I've gotten the opportunity to like host or guide or hold events. Um, and then most recently hosted a group over in Kilimanjaro and we're back about three and a half weeks now. So the dust is kind of settling on that trip. Um, but yeah, I try and spend as much time outside in nature um, as often as I can. Um, and also like trying to have different kind of experiences and adventures and stuff like that, which is definitely more new in my life than has been before. Okay, lovely. And would you say, if you say it's something more new, was nature something you found later in life or as a child were you, was that where you went or like how did it come about? I definitely would say like my lifestyle is miles different now in like coming into my early 30s as I was 10 years ago you know um definitely came into it like in my mid-20s definitely probably at that stage where we probably all go through of not quite sure who we are after leaving college and entering into that job that we've been working so hard to get and for me definitely like all hobbies fell away I had no hobbies you know and I had um I suppose my whole goal was college and getting through college and then you land that job after college and then you kind of find yourself in the rat race and there was no more focus anymore you know and there was no more I, I suppose I'd, I'd lost kind of any any of my interests you know but even at that my interests had changed Um, getting out getting into the outdoors only really came about when I went traveling and that was kind of a fo- that was something that I focused on I say like my hobbies in my 20s was binge drinking and Ryan air hopping you know and I enjoyed it I wouldn't say I regret any of it you know but it definitely isn't sustainable (laughs) and I had a big focus on going backpacking and that got me through kind of the long shifts I was working in like homeless hostels and all the rest and it was a big focus and a big drive and I went out to South America for a few months and I backpacked and I just wanted something different I didn't want to do the general kind of backpacking trip around Asia I wanted to kind of experience something different I definitely wanted I wanted something more for, for myself, but I didn't even know what that looked like. Um, so I went into Aldi, went into the middle aisle, got all this outdoor gear and went on my way to South America and was going on hikes I had no business on, you know. I remember like going out to Tick Knock in, in the Dublin Mountains and getting to a point where, you know, the, the, the trail is a fork and you can either walk up towards Fairy Castle or towards the Glen Cullen and I didn't know where to go. So I just turned back and went into my car. Like that's how little I knew about how to navigate and be in the mountains. But I wanted to be there, you know. And uh, I had signed up to do uh, my first hiking, camping uh, trail over in Peru, in the Inca Trail, in Machu Picchu. So in the run up to that, we were over in South America for a few months and we were kind of dipping our toe in a bit of hiking and trying different landscapes and, you know, really enjoying it and trying more experiences like sandboarding and you know being in the desert and being in the salt flats and all this all working up towards um the Inca trail and I had such a aha moment when I was on the Inca trail and it was so and like anyone that was probably in my group probably seeing me struggle you know and seeing me change while I was there like prior to that I got altitude sickness um, so I was very sick before we did the Inca Trail. And as I said, like I had a pair of boots from Aldi, never hiked before, never camped outside that wasn't a festival. Like I was really throwing myself in the deep end. 
and we did the cardinal sin. We'd been traveling around South, South America by bus. So we're gradually going into altitude and gradually, you know, uh, becoming accustomed to it. We had a bit of time in our hands before we went on our trip. So we flew out to the Amazon, which was an incredible, amazing experience. And we had a canoe all through the Amazon and was ate alive by midges and all the rest. But we flew back and we flew back into altitude and I got really, really sick. Um, I even had to spend a few days in bed. The vertigo was so bad. The lightheadedness was so bad. I couldn't eat. And this lasted for a few days. And then I didn't really know how to take my altitude sickness properly, my, the tablets. So I took that while I was already sick and had the side effects from the tablets. And I was really just confused and scared, I suppose, of what was happening for myself. So this is all a few days before we're meant to head off into the mountains. So I was so scared going off to do the Inca Trail. And uh, while I was doing the Inca Trail, it was my first experience of long distance hiking and hiking for more than two hours. Like I was doing like two hour loops around my local park. Like, do you know what I mean? I had no idea what it'd be like to be on my feet for eight hours carrying my backpack and camping. Um, and I remember like, and I was, I was an absolute weapon. Like I was giving out stink to my guide and I was at the back and I was really torturing myself. Do you know what I mean? Giving out to myself, you know, make myself feel bad. You know, you're so unfit. You've no business being here. You know, who do you think you are being here? You know, you're embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing your friends. Your friends at the top of the group. You're here at the back. And I was really spending eight hours saying all that on loop to myself mm. and as I was walking along like and I could you know when you're when you're talking like that like that to yourself you're like tense and you're aggravated and frustrated so I was snapping at everyone around me and I was really not enjoyable to be around I remember that there was at this one point and um, it's called like the dead woman's pass we're walking up through um, this really steep incline like and I was like close to tears I was really struggling and there's like, it's all dried vegetation. There's nothing even to be looking at. There's nothing to take your mind off how shit you feel while also speaking to yourself like shit. And when I got to the top and I turned around and I actually got to see how far I came, I had this overwhelming sense of like accomplishment. And I was saying to myself, like at that point, I was like, it's up to me and whether or not I want to enjoy this. And, and the only person that's saying all these negative things is myself. Like nobody in the group is giving out to me. Nobody is saying anything negative to me about you know being at the back or being last like no one everyone's more concerned with themselves you know so it was like I had to like snap myself out of it and be like if you want to enjoy this and gain from this then it's down to you you know and you can either work with yourself or work against yourself and I continued on and I completely changed my mindset and the people obviously you know in in, in a trail like that we we're all kind of grouped off to our own fitness levels and I was at the back um with a man from Sweden and he was in his 70s with two knee replacements and we're great friends on Facebook now you know but uh, and he was like out there doing his bucket list trips and um and then I was with another lady who who was like retired as well and I was also using that to kind of break myself I'm like oh my god I'm 26 and I'm like struggling at the back and mm. all the rest I was really I was really given giving myself such a hard time but uh but yeah the lady from out was geez I can really see a difference in your attitude like you're so much brighter and better and I really started settling into it day three day four um and really enjoying it then and I remember even though when I got to that part of the oh my god steps the monkey steps where you're climbing up to the sundial where you can see Machu Picchu I was getting out stink to my guide Javier I was you tell me we were finished I was like cursing my over it as I was climbing the climb the wall but that sense of accomplishment, I was like, God, I loved that feeling. Like I loved, you know, that feeling that I gave. And it was the first time that I could actually um, thank my body and and like see the good things that my body can do and have a new kind of mindset of how to see myself. And it's probably the first time that I had spent so long with paying attention to how I speak to myself eight hours without any distractions without you know tv your phone I was struggling so much I wasn't really being able to chat anyway so I couldn't get distracted with chat so I really was able to pay attention to how I speak to myself and that self-talk and it was probably the first time I paid attention to that I was like 
God, that's not that's not helpful, you know, and that's not going to kind of push me on further. So when when I had that, I was like, geez, I want to chase this. So I continued on my trip looking for more adventures outside and try to change my attitude towards myself while I was trying to do them. So when I came home, I came home in like 2017. I was like, I don't really want this to be something that I, I only experience abroad. But I just didn't know how to bring that into my life at home. And I didn't really want to be that Ryanair hopping anymore. I didn't want to be living for those annual leave days that you only get a certain amount allotted a year and like sleepwalk the rest of the week or the rest of the months. I really wanted like a lifestyle change, but I just didn't know how to do it. And I'd been following Mel at the time and she was getting out hiking a lot. And she put up the first post of um, if I organise a hike, would anybody go? And 35 women showed up. And that's how Gadsman Wild came about. And through that kind of community then, I've been able to get outdoors more and find my feet and kind of bring that into my lifestyle. But before that, it was non-existent. Like for me, exercise or sports, like I had tried my hand at it when I was younger. But I hate, I, I, I suppose I was someone who would have obviously struggled a lot with like body confidence and, you know, with my body itself. So I hated drawing attention to myself in that type of way. So I would have done like karate and dance and basketball. And I tried everything once, but just felt so uncomfortable in myself that I would quit or I'd be trying to hide myself. I remember doing it like a dance competition when I was younger and hiding behind the curtain. Do you know, I just couldn't, didn't want myself to be seen. Mm. And then going from my teenage years into my early 20s, I would have been in all the diet clubs available. So I would have only exercised to gain extra weight washer points or to work off those slimming world sins or, mm. you know, so that was what I equated exercise to was punishment. You know, it's something that you did because you're regretful. And it was like overusing cardio because that was the idea of exercise, do you know, that way. Yeah. So it was definitely not a positive and it definitely wasn't for enjoyment. Yeah. And you're not the only woman like like as, this is global. It's crazy. You know, the, the the self-destruction that we do about our bodies and as well with food, like relearning mm -hmm. how to love food, how to appreciate, how to sit down and enjoy it and not look at it like, oh, my God, I'm going to get fat or oh, my God, I have to count this calorie. Oh, my God, this mm -hmm. point. Oh, my God, because I don't look like those girls in the magazine, you know, or. And who is polished, you know, and you know yeah. yourself when you travel. And I remember being in Brazil, actually, and seeing women like like just women who were much more curvier mm -hmm. and just flaunting it. And the men yeah. loved it. And I was like, oh, my yeah. God, like men love curvy women here. <laughs> I was like, I yeah. feel so comfortable. Like, because when I lived in France, I found it really hard because I felt over there that I was much bigger than the women. Just, I think it's yeah. just genetics. I don't know. They're just much, they were much slimmer where I lived. And I remember like the kids in school even be like, oh my God, you're this or you're that. And I was like, oh, that's so, but then like, if you go to somewhere in South America, they're like, oh, you're amazing. <laughs> and you know? like, as much as we know logically that we shouldn't do this and we shouldn't feel mm -hmm. like this and it's not helpful and it's not like conducive to a good you know, even even to have a good mental well-being and or like a good self-view of yourself. Do you know what I mean? Even though we can notice logically, emotionally, that might not happen. Do you mm -hmm. know? Um, like if we've been getting these messages from from like people that we're surrounded by or from the media we consume or from wherever, do you know, like I was doing like a clear out like during COVID and I came across these cutouts from magazines of like Gwen Stefani's cabbage soup diet that I cut out as a kid, do you know? And I had all these cutouts of these like mad fad diets, do you know? And like these would have been magazines I would have collected when I was like nine, 10, up to like early 14 or something. So yeah. so young and looking at these really strict like fad diets, do you know? And then probably beating myself up about it because I can't, stick to something that's so unattainable like like just drinking cabbage soup all the time but I had all these cut out and saved into a little folder like 
you know, along with like a Spice Girl CD, like, you know, it's so jarring to see both of them right beside each other and wonder why I've spent so much time trying to unravel all those thoughts about about my body. You know, it's been there. That seed was planted quite a young age, you know. But I do think even like, say, women and, and the gym and stuff like that, like, you know, I, I want to be in the gym for like functional fitness. I want that to be like brought into the outdoors. I'm want to be stronger so I can hike more or carry more or, you know I mean I want that for that but like look catch me on a bad day I'd still be obsessing about the scales as well do you know what I'm really trying to train myself to move away from it and not be watching it all the time but it is hard it is yeah definitely because it's infused in everything you know mm. and they work off our insecurities and it's like not even our programming growing up but then like it's our parents as well and their parents like this is going on for centuries about women's bodies and mm. it's about time we just start to love them and look at them like you know sometimes when I go in that self-destruction I'm just I just start looking at like my arms and my legs and just start thinking like oh my god there's like bones in there there's cells there's organs in there like actually physically looking at it and imagining all of those things in there and how it's working and every breath is like every every single mechanism working for our survival yeah and then like thinking like imagine all the mountains that like my legs brought me up and yeah. the strength in that and whatever people say they're just they just you don't know what to say about them sometimes because yeah. sometimes people people make comments on me and I'm like standing there like yeah. right in front of them oh it's like can you stop objectifying my body yeah I get it all the time and I actually get it a lot being outdoors you know and I find that hard like generally I would have a like you know like probably an added like a don't care attitude do you know what I mean but I find like because like say my body and struggling with with body image for so long and having such a roller coaster experience with it like I'm trying to work myself to a place of like body neutrality and like that balance, you know, but like I find even when I'm outdoors, like people will comment on, you know, like someone like me being out here or like I would lean into kind of my feminine and like, you know, I enjoy cosmetic, um, you know, like stuff cosmetically and have eyelashes done or nails done and people would always comment on that. Never mind that I'm like, you know hiking for like four or five days with like my tent and my sleeping bag and all my food and all my meals on my back they would still comment that like I still have my nails done or I have this done or my eyelashes or Joe kind of undermining me and like on a surface level I want to say I don't care but I do care because I remember everything that people say I, I do wish that people especially people who don't know you just refrain from saying anything at all you know um but I just think people are wired to just comment on appearance all the time yeah yeah it's like um our I'm reading a book at the moment but it's like our awareness is always drawn to something that's stands out or that's mm. different it's like oh we get hooked on it because it's different mm. and then we want to comment on it and because yeah. we don't understand it and you know it's like you know like for years so I'd have been like you're never like you're never going to put me in a box <laughs> keep yeah. asking me questions but and <laughs> like you're not going to get there I get it right I look like Puella de Vail. I have tattoos I wear makeup I've you know have fake eyelashes and fake nails and all the rest but I can also look like that and still you know be hiking and camping and see swimming and and involved in like you know outdoor pursuits or activities do you know I don't need to hang up one side of myself to then enjoy the other side of myself like we don't need to kind of box things off and like right I'll only have that for you know socializing but I I won't look like that here because I want to be taken seriously here you know like I <clears throat> I think you know everyone has an idea of what someone should look like and that was something that I've struggled with also and I'm trying to not lean into that of like what someone in the outdoors should look like or what an athletic person should look like or what that body should look like do you know that way and I think we're so used to associating maybe certain sports or hobbies or whatever of what that person should look like but actually you know anyone should be able to access that there should be no barriers or no limitations you know um but but look at I'd be lying to say that it doesn't 
irk me or if it, it doesn't piss me off or upset me depending on the day that I'm having when someone kind of does undermine me I I did a section of the Kerry Way in June with, with some friends and I was enjoying a, a, a pint in the pub and we all got talking to people and we, we told them what we just did and that like this lady was like god someone like you was out there doing stuff like that and and then wanted to comment on you know my appearance and my face and and whether or not I've had cosmetic procedures or you know uh, do I have Botox and will I do this and will I get fillers and will I and like was really getting so personal like you know and I I was so shocked like but also was laughing at it do you know what I mean that like someone thinks that that's okay to to say but then also to like limit me like that or undermine me like that too do you know Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get to a place where I get enjoyment out of that, but I'm definitely not there yet because I, I suppose I've, as I kind of spoke about, like saying my early entrance into sports, like I definitely always felt like I didn't belong there or like, and for a while, you, you know, being in the outdoors, I definitely felt like a guest. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Even though not, even though I've gone and done mountain skills and I've done my courses and, and I'm trying to progress in that area, um. And, but I have like so many miles underneath my belt or so many different mountains or like long distance hiking and hiking and camping. And now I've gone to Kilimanjaro. Like I also need to to let myself let go of that as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, but it is hard. Mm. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's um, self-acceptance over anything. And and you're you're proving something as well. Like you're proving that anybody no matter what they look like can do anything if these judgments are coming you know um it was the same like you know different things for me as well like oh you like you're a beekeeper like because it's mostly men or oh you because it's mostly men and oh you went alone all around yeah Yeah. oh you like you and then even sometimes I get like oh you do sport and I'm like you surf like yeah. <laughs> the shit people say like and you're just like and and I actually I actually like it now like I'm like yeah and I, I'm yeah. kind of like I kind of say it in a way and then they're just like they can't even speak sometimes I'm like did your ego get a bit of a kick now huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm you, you made a book you wrote a book <laughs> yeah do you do you want to see it <laughs> I'm dying to get to that point with you, and I should. I should. I shouldn't. You will. You know? get there. I still it's just, give a fuck, but. I, but no. But I still, as well, would. <clears throat> depending on the day, again. Mm. Depending on the day, like somebody could make a comment. I could be premenstrual, and I'd be bawling on my eyes out for the night. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah, I'm, I'm going to be going around like with like a lot of photos, being like, "Look, see, I've done this, and I've been here, and I've done that." But uh, but also like you know, I don't need acceptance from anybody but I also think I need to stop feeling like a guest in the outdoors and actually just start taking up space and just let that be it yeah conversation that I had with my friend Madeline who's just back from Kilimanjaro before she went I was saying to her like I have this kind of you know weird feeling like almost like a sense of like peace now that I'm back of like I can't keep talking to myself like that or feeling Mm -hmm. like a guest not that Kilimanjaro is the height like it, you know it's the highest freestanding mountain in the world yes but it's not like the pinnacle of all outdoor adventures do you know what I mean it yeah. doesn't stop there like there is plenty more out there but it's definitely helping me get to a point of being like well look at you've actually been there got to the top and achieved that now so are you now going to take up space or are you still going to be like you're on a guest pass out here this is your time to shine so would you actually tell us a little bit about maybe the mountain and um, how to prep and um yeah maybe the experience yeah so I went with Galscombe Wild and Galscombe Wild paired up with an Irish expedition company called Earth Edge so I booked on to it a year ago which seems mental now to say like that that was a year and I almost didn't go I saw well I suppose Mel you know, me and Mel became friends over the years and she had spoken to me about that there was a possibility of a big expedition after lockdown um, that would be announced. And at the time I was like, oh, that's interesting, but I don't know if that'd be for me. And then the event was announced and I was seeing all the tickets fly out and I was looking down at the tickets and there's only two left. And I was like, how would I feel sitting on the sidelines watching all the girls go and me being at home? So I just knew I had to jump. 
but it was it was those moments where again I was underestimating myself and underestimating my own ability of like oh I don't think I'd be able to climb something like that and um, so I booked on a year ago in advance and then I suppose with Earth's Edge they do they offer training so they gave us an opportunity to do the four peaks the four of the highest peaks in each province in Ireland which was a deadly achievement also to take on so I felt like I was taking on so much more it's definitely like stepping up my uh, hiking ability you know uh, and taking all these different challenges so that was a part of our training as a group which was amazing to me as a group in South London so we did Sleep Donard up in the north we did Mulray um, over in Mayo we did Loch Laquilla in Wicklow and then the last one was Carntool so it was amazing I hadn't done Carntool on Mulray I didn't even think I'd be able to do them you know so it was such building up confidence as well getting these mountains underneath our belt as well as part of your training and then we had a two-day training weekend in Wicklow where me and the girls camped and we got all our information from the company of what our days would look like and what we need to prepare and what we need to pack and then we did two training hikes on the mountain so that was kind of the the training offered by the company but then for myself, I joined the gym a year. Um, I gave myself a year in the gym and I definitely was that, that type of person. As I said, I was flat out doing cardio and doing things that I didn't even know what to be doing in the gym years ago. So I really wanted to be there to like climb Kilimanjaro. And it was really beneficial for me to have a focus like that that wasn't on my body and punish myself but actually a functional focus to be in the gym and I really enjoyed that so that was kind of like the training I did and then obviously hiking quite like as often as I could um out at the, out at the weekends because I work full time so I would love to spend more time in the mountains but it, it just you know you only have the time you have to work with and then I suppose the I suppose tips that I wish I knew before I went I wish I knew how dusty Kilimanjaro was like it's like volcanic like ash like it's it's so dusty and at some points and probably for majority of the trip you have to hike with a buff on and I was never hiked with anything cover my mouth so that was some, be something I'd tell anybody who was going out there is that it is really dusty your clothes are, are going to get really really dusty and try practice hiking with a buff on because if it feels so your breathing is restrictive anyway and then trying to breathe with something covering your mouth is even more restrictive um so that that's my number one tip um and then i suppose the thing that everyone is afraid of is altitude and for me like altitude is something that you can't fight with it's something that like is a guarantee but everyone reacts so differently so I've spoken before about like I'd experienced altitude sickness and quite severely, but I suppose I did something that I wouldn't have been doing in Kilimanjaro of going to sea level and coming straight back up to altitude again. But I did experience it really intensely. So I was really afraid um, and I did did get it over there. Um, and it's interesting. Some of the girls experienced, say, headaches and lightheadedness. And then some of us experienced it in our stomach with like nausea struggling to eat or, or not like not feeling well um, so I, I definitely got the nausea and on day four I experienced it and it was uh, the Branco wall the day I was really looking forward to it was gonna be like a bit of bouldering a bit of scrambling over the wall I was like oh buzzed for this like and uh, one of the girls ha had like struggled when she woke up with the altitude and I was you know encouraging her and helping her to you know leave camp and um you know walk over to the wall and, and then she kind of got back to herself again and she started kind of feeling good again and then out of nowhere I was hit like a ton of bricks I started feeling like lightheaded and like really sick and low energy and I was getting paler and paler as I was climbing to the point where um our expedition doctor, which is a really big positive of going with Earth's Edge, that you have a doctor on your trip. So it's really reassuring. You can ask your doctor like loads of questions as you're going along or they can kind of help you take the right medication at the right times. Um, so she noticed that I'd gone really quiet and really pale. And she then kind of walked with me up the mountain and I was getting slower and slower and finding it harder and harder. And like we we're on at some points like cliff edges, you know, so... Um, I was definitely a bit frightened like to be so lightheaded and be quite uh I suppose 
at risk. Do you know what I mean? But I wasn't at risk because I had a lot of support and the porters were there to help me as well. But um, it, it was a real kick though because it was the day that I was really looking forward to. And I was just draining in energy. And when you're feeling that with the altitude, you need to walk even slower. So, you know, pole pole is the saying that uh, in Swahili, like go slowly, slowly. So you're walking so slow anyway. And that's what I would say to anyone who's considering Kilimanjaro is that it's not really a fitness challenge. It's definitely a mindset challenge because you're walking so slow. So yes, you're walking eight, up to from six to eight hours a day. Six hours of your short day, eight to nine hours is your long day. Um, and yeah, you could gain a thousand meters in a day, but you're walking so slow. You're not walking at an Irish pace, baiting up the mountain. Um, so it, it's not that that's challenging. Maybe being on your feet all day is challenging, but then also trying to move while you don't feel well. That's the challenge. And that's where you need your mind to work with you, then work against you. So that was kind of my experience. And I got to the top of the Branco wall with a lot of help with the doctor and one of the porters. One of the porters took my bag and uh, I climbed to the top of the wall. All the girls clapped for me. Uh, I was delighted and like feeling like a little bit emotional, but then really, really sick and came to the top of the Branco wall. Kilimanjaro's in sight, covered in snow. And there was like a tea ceremony. All our porters set out a tea and all the girls rallied around me. They got everything that I needed to make me feel better. And I was able to eat. I had like the, f- the food I had wasn't what I needed. I had really like hard protein bars. So that's something else that I would say to people is that like your food, like you're going up higher in altitude, your food is getting like tougher and like at some points your chocolate can freeze. So I had really tough protein bars when what I needed was like, you know, like cliff style protein bars, like real soft bars. And um my food of choice now would be Jaffa cakes if I was going to altitude again because it's right amount of sugar, but it's soft to eat. Because when you feel nauseous and sick, you don't really want to eat. So the so something that someone had said to me is, what would you eat if you were completely full? Or what would you eat if you feel sick? That's something that you would probably need to pack for an altitude expedition. Honey. <laughs> That's what I yeah. When I had COVID, yeah. I was like, jars of honey. Yeah, jars of honey. And like, I thought I knew what I would want. Do you know what I mean? But when you feel like that, like it's, it's hard to predict how you're going to feel when that's not how you feel at home. Or that's not how you feel when you're on the mountains at home. So I just brought what I would usually eat, like nuts and protein bars and stuff like that. But they were all either too dry or too hard or too tough to eat. So I found I found that hard. Um, and then I did get sick on summer night. Summer night was a hard night for me. It was really difficult. Um, there was also a bit of a bug going around camp. So I, I got it. And I'm sitting there in my tent and it's you start hiking at midnight or summer night. And I was sitting in my tent after feeling getting sick and feeling sick. It's 11 p.m. I can't eat my dinner like I can't swallow the porridge. And I was had my head in my hands and I was like, how am I going to do this? Like I have to hike for eight hours to get to that top all all in the dark. So you know, it was really, I definitely didn't saunter up there. And it was, I was so pissed off that like the time I get that feeling is on summer night. Do you know, like there's five other days before now that I could have felt like this, you know, but uh, why now, you know, but there's also a bit of freeing of when the thing that you worried about happens, it's not like hanging over you anymore, you know? So I was like, well, you know, feeling sick, my stomach let me down, not being able to eat, it's all happening right now. So it's now I can start adapting to it and like worrying about it all week because it can take up a lot of space in your mind. You you spend so much time overthinking everything. Like, are you getting enough water? Are you dehydrated? Are you eating enough? Are you, is that nausea? Is that altitude? Is that a headache? Is, you know, you're really in tune with your body, which is amazing. And how much water did you bring? So the water, like we were advised to probably try drink about five liters a day but how I drank very little. how did you yeah so I probably carry like three liters a day so could and you like, brief, could you get it somewhere is it yeah the port is like our camp to be near like a water source or like the the porters would like carry some water so it's a really trying to it's trying to get this recipe of trying to get enough in when it's so hard to drink. So at nighttime, I'd fill my Nalgene with hot water and put it in my sleeping bag and have that as like a hot water bottle. 
But then in the mo- in the morning, I'd use that same water and I'd throw in my Diorolite, maybe vitamin C and drink a litre before I left my tent. And then a litre at breakfast. I probably would only drink a litre during the day, which is so little from when you're hiking for so long. So that'd be about three, another litre at lunch, another litre at dinner. And was and everybody five. taking those Diorolites? Yeah. And would yeah. you have taken them actually, you know, in the really heat wave here in Ireland, would you take them as well? Yeah. Because your life to me is like flat seven up. Like it is going to be my medicine for it's everything. Salt and salts, is it? Or sugar or what? Salt, yeah. And and I had like salt tablets as well. I was so worried about being dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and because, oh, like on the trail, like we had really good weather. We had no rain. But when the sun was out, it was scorching, like absolutely scorching. And then when I went in, we were freezing. So you're going from extremes during the same hike. So you could easily lose a lot of water. Like, and then that's when your headaches set in and that's when you're not feeling great and we're not feeling well. But then you're also taking altitude sickness tablets. So that makes you pee a lot generally, never mind you drinking five litres of water. So while you're hiking, like you're literally jumping to pee every few minutes. So you're losing your water. So and do they just start. leave you off or do they hang on for you or can you just do what you want? It's so funny. At the start of the trail, we were definitely like trying to like spread out, have a rocky, each, do you know what I mean? Not be seen by other hikers because we we did the Mashami route uh, and it's, it's quite a popular route. So like there's definitely other people at our campsites that we're not alone so like at certain points you cross paths with other groups you know so you could be on a really tight trail having a wee and a whole group of another team is, is coming by you you know but yeah at the start of the week we were all spread out trying to take cover and then by the end of the week we were like peeing right beside each other you know like you don't care anymore you know yeah. after that so yeah. you definitely how- all that kind of, um the all that kind of uh niceties kind of loses itself after a while and you get to know people really well when you're living on the mountain yeah and how long did you stay at the summit then the summit um god like like (laughs) the summit i must say we're probably there for 20 minutes half an hour it was so cold and i like when when i got to stella point um, and I was so glad I was told this. So like you start hiking at midnight and you hike throughout the night and you all have your head torches on and you're on a steep incline and it's on sand. So every step you take, like it's not like you're on grass or gravel that you can feel like you're gaining. Like you can easily feel like you're slipping a little bit, not not majorly, but like you're on gravel or sand. So you're not gripping ground and you're doing that for I think that took us about six hours maybe six and a half hours all the way up to the top level and then the sunset's coming up which is amazing and you get to Stella Point but it, it gives you that sense of feeling that you're at the top when you're not you know and I'm delighted that someone told me that because there's a sign at, at Stella Point so that would give you the impression that you're done but you actually have another 45 minutes to an hour and another 100 meter climb to actually the top Though, you know, a lot of people would like throw the toys out, out of the pram at that stage. Do you know what I mean? Thinking that it's all over. Um, and when I got to Stella Point, like I was so grateful, but I was so cold and I kept trying to move my toes. And at certain points, like I was really struggling, you know, with my stomach when I started the hike. And then halfway through the hike, I thought I was going to vomit. I was taking anti-sickness tablets. I was really trying to make sure that I didn't <clears throat> didn't get sick. So I felt so overly nauseous. I could barely eat. So I had about like two Jaffa cakes in the whole time space. Didn't have. I wasn't able to eat breakfast at camp. Um, I stopped at one altitude? point. What was the altitude? Um. So at that point, it's I suppose the 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 summit of Kilimanjaro was five thousand eight hundred and eighty five. So we're we're gaining a thousand. So our camp was at like four thousand eight hundred. So you're gaining a thousand uh, to get to the summit and then you're losing a thousand also to go back down to camp. So that's 2000 meters, you know, so, you know, <laughs> everyone was different, but I was definitely facing demons, uh, you know, on summit night and like the girls really looked after me, which was amazing. Like that kind of connection that we had in the group, Kate and Ali were like taking hand warmers and shoving them down my socks because like my toes are freezing I was like oh my god I'm gonna get frostbite or something I kept trying to move my toes to make sure I like they're still there 
and they were like shoving Haribo into my mouth and then like one of the porters Chitty he took my bag and he was so helpful and on some at night your water freezes if you carry one of those bladders so my water had frozen so I had my Nalgene bottle and I had it turned upside down and with a sock on it so that the lid didn't freeze so that I would have water and uh, and he'd run back to me and like give me my water bottle or give me more layers like the porters really look after you and do everything possible to try and make sure that you get to summit but there was one point I was sitting on a rock and I was just in bits and Chitty was like what do you want to do and I was like I'm not going anywhere like I'm, I'm going to the top but I'm struggling like and I'm going to struggle to the top and when I got to Stella point I just got really tired I felt like I wanted to go to sleep so I was walking that point between Stella Point and the summit and it was amazing. Like you're looking down on craters and there's snow all off the mountains. It was clear. We can see off the mountain. It was incredible. Like, but I kept trying to fall asleep. I was walking with my eyes closed. Like altitude was just making me sleepy or maybe the lack of food I had in my system. I was just shutting down a little bit. So one of the girls, Michelle, she hooked my arm. She's like, right, I'm going to, yeah, we're getting you to the summit. And she just linked my arm. And, uh, you know, it was great to kind of feel like someone there with me, but I was still walking with my eyes closed. And when the sign was coming into sight, she was like, right, I'm going to give you back your poles now. I need to walk there yourself. And I said, like, geez, no, I don't know if I'm able. She said, no, you are able. And she gave me my poles and I walked to the, to the sign where it says, like, congratulations, you're at Mount Kilimanjaro. And Chitty was there in my bag and he gave me a big hug. And he was like, well done. You know, you should be so proud of yourself. And I started bawling, crying. I was bawling, hugging him. I was bawling, hugging Michelle, thanking her. I was bawling, hugging my tent buddy, Amy. Um, it was so emotional, but also like, you know, feeling like I couldn't really take it all in. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I felt so shit as well. I was like struggling, trying to keep my eyes open to make sure I took this moment in because it's so fleeting. Like you do, you do all this training and all this focus. Like my whole year has been focused on Kilimanjaro. Like I feel like it Kilimanjaro is my personality. Like I don't know who I'm going to be now. Do you know, I, <laughs> well, not that I don't know, but I, it, it is, it does. It's great to have a focus like that to have, channel all your energy. Um, and, and obviously it's very important to make sure that it's not like the be all and end all but you know all my shopping was focused for like being okay for some at night and you spend so much time even picking out your snacks and it so it does consume you do you know but when you get to the top you're there for 20 minutes so it's not really about the top do you know it's about having a focus it's about giving yourself a purpose it's about connecting with the girls and ex having this experience and the experience getting to the top and the experience of for me like I would have loved to have said oh yeah I swanned up to the top and I had no bother but like you know when I was struggling at different points I had I had to keep stopping and I was like right Shane, look around look at the headlamps behind you look at all the girls coming up behind you and you know I was trying to big myself up in my head I was like you know everyone's behind you and we're all here together and the help I was getting from the porters the help I was getting from the girls I was like, you know, you need to accept the help if you want to get there to the top. Do you know, you can't do it on your own. And I was trying so hard to take it all in. Um, as I was walking along, a sunrise was happening or looking at the headlamps being like, you know, when are you ever going to experience this? But, you know, it's not about that summit part because that summit part was the smallest part in the week. We spent seven days on the mountain. It's five and a half days up and a day and a half down. But on summit, it's 20 down. minutes. Wow. yeah well and you don't go fully down is it more like you don't go fully down do you get a plane yeah. off the end <laughs> <laughs> i would have loved a plane off the end no i suppose you don't you don't loop back do you know what i mean so you don't loop back to the first camp do you know um so the the exit is is at a different place do you know so and, and, and do you the, go the to the then or what you, you go straight to the bar. We all got um, a Kilimanjaro beer at the end and like we're lying on the grass and like there's no feeling like it. And you've been living up on the mountain for seven days at camp. You've been just washing yourself with baby wipes. You've been like in close quarters with all these girls, getting to know everybody, the ins and outs of everybody's body and everybody's feelings and everybody's weak. And, you know, there's no bonding experience like it, you know. Yeah, and it takes you completely away from your day to day life. You know, and did you have connection to phone family, or did you have a battery pack, or 
I brought a battery pack for like taking photos and videos, but I didn't get a SIM card or anything like that. So I totally, once I left our hostel, our lodge to to go to um to the entrance gate, that was me cut off for the week, do you know, which was amazing, do you know? And did you have time to explore around after or did you just fly home? We went on safari the next day. And it wasn't until the last day that I could actually feel the kind of, the amount of work my body did, which is amazing, you know, that like seven days, you know, and also as well, it could be like that adrenaline now that it's over and you've made it to the top, maybe my body was relaxing, but it would have been so easy just to stay in bed and like not do anything. But we went on safari and it just, uh, you know, sitting on top of the Jeep and you're driving through and seeing all the animals. Like we had such a good day seeing like all the zebras and the elephants and we saw lions and monkeys and all the rest. Like it was such a good day um and then you know the, the few drinks and, and all that with the girls at the end but um it's it's definitely something that i'd say if anyone's considering it like don't underestimate your fitness but do work on your mindset because i do think you have to believe that you're going to get to the top to get to the top because you're spending so long as i said about like kind of my first experience in peru like that's kind of where i i kind of got that experience of like your your mind could talk you out of it do you yeah. know i mean because you know, you're walking in a single file um, for Kilimanjaro. Anyway, you're walking in a single file. If you're feeling good, yeah, you could be up for the chats. If you're not feeling great, uh, um, you know, you might be just having to get your head stuck down and, and put one foot in front of the other. And that can be a long day if you're not working with yourself and you're working against yourself, you know. And your mind can kind of, your, your mind is so... um sensitive do you know what I mean so I do think that if anyone's considering it that uh watching where your mind goes and how you talk to yourself and your self-talk is really important and like people I suppose I've experienced altitude sickness a few times and say on some night I don't know if that was a stomach bug was altitude sickness I don't know what it was but it wasn't great do you know what I mean I, I wasn't the optimum feeling or fitness or I didn't feel like I um, was my best self to take on that mountain, but I did it anyway, you know, and that's that's what's more important, you know. Um, and but, for anybody who doesn't know much about mountains, like what, like when you say it's the tallest freestanding, what is the other, like, could you explain that? So I suppose it's a mountain that's by itself. So when you're at the top of Kilimanjaro, um, it, there's no other mountain connecting it. So it's it's like it's the tallest mountain that's standing by itself, um, which is incredible. You know, it is incredible. And I definitely I don't think that has sunk in for me that I've been there, you know, and I've been there and I came back and I can wear the T-shirt. But I think I'm happy that I have that struggle because for me, trying to mend that relationship with myself, and my body, having real life experiences has been much more helpful than anything else. So having those experiences of like, yes, this is hard, but like, you know, you went to the gym that day that you didn't want to and you really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Or you tried a new hobby or you tried a new event or you attended something by yourself and it worked out really well. Or you went on this hike that you didn't think you were able for and look at you now, you've been up and down and you're able for it. So these real life experiences are much more impactful and it's definitely helping my way of reimagining my, my relationship with my body or re change my mindset around my body and, and 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 that is having these real life experiences. Yeah. And now obviously Kilimanjaro. Yes. And I think another thing with self-belief, what I do actually, if anybody's listening, is I actually have a folder in my phone and I will write down like different achievements that I've done that I thought like no way could I do that mm. or like you know before I started diving like I was having panic attacks in the water like crazy bad crazy bad and I would get on a flight and I would be bawling I'd have a panic attack yeah. like crazy stuff and like I got in my phone a folder and I was like I'm gonna write it because I knew what my ego would do be like you can't do that you can't do that and yeah I would, yeah, yeah yeah I can so then I'd get out my phone and I'd be like yeah I can because of this and this and this and this yeah. so like yeah. if anybody's listening go make a folder on your phone of like I can do That's it so write it all fucking down write it all down because photos. yeah the moments where your self-belief is gone because it happens like all the time like you can look at that and the imposter thing and you're like oh, I can do it you know it's so much easier though to like you know because any feelings that are negative really deep seated you know what I mean it's so much easier for that to come to your forefront of your mind than all these positives and like 
also like a lot of these experiences are transversible do you know what i mean they don't have to stay in the outdoors or in your hobby or in you know a sport like you can bring that like attending something for the first time or trying something new you can bring that into your work or your personal life yeah you know so those skills of where like people's skills or self-belief or like challenging like oh i took on this new challenge um in in my interest or in my hobby i can bring that into my work it does not have to stay separate like yeah yeah definitely and um do you have any uh, upcoming adventures planned that you'd like to share with us so i'm going to patagonia which you know all about it's my big regret when i was in south america that i didn't travel down and when i was in argentina um, and that that was you know my pre-hiking days so going to um do some day hikes out in Patagonia and I'm trying to decide on I'm, I'm going with Gals Gone Wild and we have a week's trip um together which is amazing and then I'm thinking of going over a week ahead by myself and I'm just trying to decide what exactly I'm going to do whether I'll do the W Trek in uh Torres del Plain I think that's how you say it what is <laughs> piney yeah piney yeah, yeah my Spanish is shocking <laughs> you'll pick it up yeah or something like that. i'm sure you'll have tips for me but that's my next kind of trip so you know kilimanjaro won't become my full-time personality but yeah. uh yeah oh for now God. i'm gonna amazing. enjoy it amazing you'll have you you must do like a little scrapbook and um keep all those memories because they're they're real life memories you know massive yeah. achievement so well done and, thank you. Um, thank you for sharing your story. I'm sure loads of people will benefit from it and women listening like to get out in the outdoors and yeah, and I suppose if they wanted to they could get in touch with Gals Gone Wild or join a local hiking club, huh? Yeah, and definitely if there's something that's been on your mind like of interest, even if it's not hiking, like roller skating is like know really popular now or surfing or anything at all like you know it's a lot easier to kind of sit through instagram and live through but it's much more you know um you know it's a it's a really transformative experience when you actually put yourself out there and enjoy these things and it is hard to be by yourself and do this and it is hard to kind of walk up to people and join events but there's a much better experience on the other side if you do that you know so um it's it's easier to let watch life pass you by through the phone but it's much better to experience it in person yeah definitely agree so thank you Sinead for coming on today thank you so much um, hope I didn't ramble too much now no really enjoyed the chats and folks if you like this episode um please give it a share um or any feedback or any questions for us just message away and patrons thank you so much for supporting if you can support please go on to patreon.com slash catch kate and i will talk to you all very soon have a wonderful wonderful weekend ciao bye thanks so much